Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, looking forward to a packed midweek of Euro action, Champions League, Europa League, all the Euro leagues in the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. These are the pundits. Liesperti, Diesperten, Les hommes de la gauche, the pundits. That's right, listener. It's James Horncastle. Hello. Julian Laurent. Bonjour. Raphael Honigstein. Hello. And Alvaro Romeo. Hola. All here for a huge show. Champions League, Europa League, other stuff too. An amazing Mkhitaryan song. Maybe if we've got time, we could talk about what Zlatan did at the weekend. All, all, all sorts of stuff. Jules, what, what, what are the headlines in France? There would have to be Neymar playing again for PSG for the first time in 126 days, being insulted and booed and right. jeered and then scoring an incredible winner in the last minute, 92nd minute. What a story. Alvaro over in Spain, Atletico Madrid losing. Atletico losing. Uh, Martin Odegaard was one of the players who was punishing Atletico de Madrid. Then Sevilla tops the table with uh, Julen Lopetegui as a manager. Right. And Barcelona's Ansu Fati is proving that seven minutes are enough to become a star or at least to become someone who raises the passion at Barcelona Camp Nou. Right, that gets comparisons with Messi. At 16, incredible. We're talking about Fatty very, very shortly. James, Juve are off the top of the table for the first time in 553 days. An Inter atop, perfect record so far. Bad few days for Juventus this morning. We've seen police round up 12 Capi Ultras who have been accused of extorting the club. And uh, Roma scored four goals in half an hour. And Raphael Honigstein, who's suffering with a bad back today, by the way. Listener. Thanks for being with us anyway, Rafa. Uh, Dortmund are back. Dortmund are back. They uh, registered a really convincing 4-0 win over Leverkusen. Could have gone uh, slightly differently because Leverkusen did have chances. But as it was, uh, a resounding scoreline and a sense that they were the real beneficiaries of the other result at the top of the table, which was Bayern only, in inverted commas, drawing 1-1 away to Leipzig. Certainly. Champions League, that's where we start after this with Dortmund-Barcelona. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. De Jong gira dentro del área, busca el pase en su fati, gol, 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 gol. Ansu Fati, they're scoring in Barcelona's 5-2 win at the weekend over Valencia and dominating the headlines the next day, dressed as Messi, as sport put it, the 16-year-old kid who's setting records and there doesn't seem to be any limit to the kind of expectations 
people have of him. Ahead of the clash with, with Dortmund, Alvaro, how good is Fatty, first of all? Well, it's difficult to say because I remember that 11 years ago we had the same conversation with Bojan Kirkic and uh, I remember that he also was a record holder for Barcelona in terms of precocity and all that and then uh, he, never, uh, he never managed to stay in the club and to become a star at Barcelona. I can say about Ansu Fati that he is a player that um, he seems to be daring, uh, which is very important if you play for Barcelona. He seems that the Barcelona shirt is not very heavy on him in the sense that uh, he plays very lightly, he attacks the ball as if it was the last one and uh, it was very, very good to see that in seven minutes he managed to wrap up the game himself, uh, first of all, because in the second minute he scored the goal after he was set up and he, he had a very cool finish in the penalty, from the penalty spot and then in the seventh minute he got the ball in the box, he managed to dribble past uh, Garay, I think that he was, and then he set up uh, Frenkie de Jong for the mm. Dutchman to score his first goal as a Barcelona player. De Jong also had a pretty special game, 54 passes attempted, all of which he completed, and as you mentioned, the goal. But Fatty, people were saying his performance was Messi-esque, which sounds a bit ridiculous, but the way he played, I mean, it was reminiscent of the way he kind of surfs off the defenders. I think so. And uh, I think that the first three balls that he touched in the game were decisive, which tells you a lot about his verticality and uh, how eager he is to, to make an impression. I mean... I don't know how much uh, football is going to play when Messi is back and when Ousmane Dembélé is back. Luis Suárez is back finally. He scored the brace against Valencia. But uh, he's not only promising, but also he proves that uh, Barcelona Academy has many good players as well. This summer, Simons left to PSG and it seemed to be like a, a little bit of a tragedy. La Masia, Barcelona Academy keeps on losing players, but there are still some good talents in there. And uh, now the question is, uh, who is he going to play for internationally? Because the Spanish FA wants uh, to cap Ansu Fati as soon as they can. He can also play for Guinea-Bissau. He can also play for Portugal. So the question is who he's going to choose to play for. A little bit like Adnan Dianuzai, like uh, seven, eight years ago when he could play for multiple countries. But, uh, but the uh, rise. Or the clan rise as well. Uh, but I think that Ansu Fati doesn't have any, hasn't said anything strange in social media about Spain in the past. So. Fair, fair. There's a moment in the game where he controls the ball on, on his, uh, on his uh, thigh mm. and then Makes a sombrero on Daniel Vaz, who's a you know he's a good Daniel Vaz is a good player, he's an experienced player, but he was just left humiliated by a 16-year-old. It was quite scary, and it's quite refreshing to see someone like that playing in that kind of way at that age. And also, I would like to say that uh, lately Barcelona has won the games little by little. Has cooked the games slowly with players over 30 years old up front Luis Suarez Lionel Messi and little by little they were like a diesel engine but they managed to win La Liga games and the other day it was just the opposite Barcelona went straight for the opponent for Valencia right. and Sufati playing on the left <laughs> <laughs> they fried it very quickly and Carles Perez on the right another academy player and they had so much intensity they were getting the ball back uh, so quickly uh, as soon as Valencia had the possession and uh, this is something that Barcelona needed as well because they were lacking vitality at some point and they were lacking youth in some key places on the pitch and I think that Ansu Fati Carles Perez can bring that in the pitch Will these guys play in the Champions League or will they have to make way for the more experienced players? Also because the news today is that Messi will be available Luis Suarez as you say able to score from standstill on, on the weekend but he is available and Messi now fit as well I believe that one of them either Carles Perez or Ansu Fati will be playing probably Luis Suarez will be starting against Valencia he didn't start but he came from the bench and he scored two goals so he's kind of ready to play already but I think that either Ansu Fati which I believe that he will be the main candidate to start or Carles 
expected will be starting. And if he Ansu Fati, if he scores, uh, Ansu Fati, he will become uh, the youngest ever Champions League scorer, overtaking Peter Ofori Kwaye, uh, who scored the goal in Champions League at the age of 17 years. If he scores, because the last Spanish team to go to uh, Signal Duna Park got beaten 4 0, wasn't it? Atletico Madrid last season. Yeah, it was um, a surprising result, really. Uh, and the, the result. Dortmund coming off a whopping result this weekend yes, as well. Another 4 0. Another 4 0, yeah. Auf Jaden Sancho in rechts außen position. Sancho bringt den Ball in die Mitte. Der lässt durch! Yeah! Und dann ist da das 2 0 für BVB. Marco Reus! They were very convincing. They, they played really good football. They kept the clean sheet for once. They didn't go behind for once. Um, those two things usually go together, of course. Um, and they, they were so effective on the break. I mean, Dortmund, given space, are one of the best teams in, in European football, especially on the right, where you have uh, Royce often drifting into those areas, combining with um, Jadon Sancho, who had another wonderful game. And Paco Alcácer, really sharp and uh, uh, much more mobile than he was. Uh, in some stages uh, towards last season. So it was a complete performance and it was an important one because not only was this seen as a real test, you could Leverkusen are our, probably the fourth best team in, in the league at the moment, but also they had uh, two weeks to sort of stew uh, in their own doubts after losing away to Union Berlin after a big story in Sportbild saying that there are serious doubts about Lucien Favre's management, that uh, he didn't sign up to the signing of Hummels and uh, Schultz, and that you know people are not really sure about him. You might say that the story was perhaps slightly over-egged, but there is a, a genuine gist uh, of it, which is that last year when they did have that bad second half of the season, there were people in the board, and you know still the same people in the board now, who thought maybe his very soft-spoken uh, manner, his his very sort of even approach to all team talks, never really changes, never goes up and down, was a contributing factor to Dortmund sort of losing that bit of focus and losing their way. It's, of course, very difficult to say that a different father would have done differently things differently because they only got in the, into that position in the first place because of the work he does in his very specific ways. But it was important, I think, that he showed to himself and to the team that you don't necessarily now have to do things very differently and still can be very successful. Can they follow that up with a, a win over Barca, especially given Barcelona's rotten record on the road in this competition? I don't see why not, because Barcelona should be really the ideal opponent for for Dortmund in many ways. You know, Dortmund have looked best this season in the Super Cup against Bayern and now at home against Leverkusen against teams who love possession, who um, don't mind attacking and who Dortmund can just wait a little and and punish on a break. Favre is a little bit unique in among the German top coaches. He is Swiss, but German-based top coaches in the sense that he doesn't really play a pressing game. Uh, Dortmund usually wait for things to fall apart and then they uh, they go very very quick. So, if Barcelona are not, you know, they're very best and and uh, are much sharper so in possession, the sort of things that have been lost a little bit maybe over the last year or so at Barca, I think Dortmund will, will be very dangerous for them. The thing is that there are two Barcelonas at the minute, one at home, one away from home, and they are totally different. I want to see what kind of Barcelona we find on Tuesday in Signal Iduna Park, but at the same time. After what I saw on Saturday, I think that Barcelona is ready, finally, to play a game of this caliber. I think that two weeks ago they weren't. 
but uh, finally something is clicking there. And in this kind of groups, in which there is a team which is clearly worse than the rest, uh, let's remember it's Dortmund, Barcelona, Inter Milan and Slavia Praga, getting six points against Slavia Praga is crucial, to the point that I remember Atletico de Madrid being knocked out from Champions League in a group with Chelsea and Roma for not being able to beat Karabakh, and last season, Valencia went out of the Champions League in the Manchester United and Juventus group because they weren't able to beat young boys in both games. So I think that there is a bit of pressure for every club, for Inter, for Barcelona, for uh, Borussia Dortmund as well. They better do it well at home, but especially they better do the job against Slavia Praga. All right, into uh, facing Slavia Prague this time around, coming off a 1-0 win over 10-man Udinese. Quite a laboured victory, but still, as you mentioned before, James, a perfect record. There are one or two doubts about, I think, Lukaku, whether he's going to be fit to play. Uh, Inter, who didn't actually get out of the group last time in the Champions League, but they, they look strong this time. Yeah, I mean, a year ago, they did have two match points. It was in their hands, essentially, to qualify, and they bottled it. Um, you, know, you look at that final match day result where Spurs only drew up Barcelona. If Inter do the business at home against PSV, they go through and they didn't. But you're right to bring up Lukaku. I don't think it's necessarily fitness-based. I think it's because he was actually very poor on Saturday night against Udinese. He seemed to react uh, rather than anticipate the balls that were coming to him. So he was very easy to defend. Um, he was taken off. And it was, as you say, quite a unconvincing uh, into performance. Uh, Nicola Barella, another one of their big signings, he went off at half time. He hasn't really settled. The player to watch, though, and I think he's been the best player in Serie A so far this season, is Stefano Sensi. Um, I th can't remember a midfielder making an impact like this at Inter since Wesley Schneider. Um, instant impact, decisive in every game, smallest kid on the pitch, and he scores the winner, a near-post header from a Diego Godin ball into the box. It was also quite curious to see what Conte was doing with the team. He, instead of playing 3-5-2, played 3-4-3 with Sensi and Politano just off Lukaku. Um, saying that you know, they, they're going to have to find different solutions over the course of the season. They don't want to be predictable. And playing someone like Sensi, who I think is a bit of a hybrid between Ferrati and Schneider. You know, he can be that guy who plays lots of passes in midfield, but also can score goals, as we're seeing. And Politano, who's a winger who can beat players, score from outside the box. They've got solutions. I think we'll probably see in this game them go back to... Um, Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez up front I think D'Ambrosio will come back in for Diego Godin at the back and I think we'll probably see Vecino instead of Barella OK, it is against Slavia Prague so I'm going sure. to move on at this point. <laughs> uh, No, but I, th there is one thing to pick up on from Inter which was Conte uh, for the first time having a pop at Maurizio Sarri Ah yes, at Juventus um, Because um, Juventus disappointing draw at, at Fiorentina Sarri doing what he did at Napoli and Empoli making excuses saying it was 3 o'clock kickoff. it was really hot um, and uh, Conte basically saying chill out man you're with the best now yeah. Valencia who were hammered 5-2 uh, uh, as bad as the Gary Neville days I think, I think that result's been been called by the, the local press. Uh, next up, face Chelsea in the, the Champions League. Alvaro, yes. uh, it's a great time to be facing Los Che. It is a good time. Valencia and Chelsea played uh, a battery of games, uh, six games in four years, from 2007 to 2011. Valencia never managed to beat Chelsea. And uh, I don't think that this time is a good time for Valencia to play against them because Marcelino was sacked on the 11th of September as a result of... Uh, 
um, how much ranting against the owner he did because it wasn't something based purely on results. I right. mean, basically, Marcelino wanted to sign uh, Rafinha, he uh -huh. wanted to sign Denis Suárez, and he wanted to keep Rodrigo in the team this summer. And Peter Lim had other plans. He didn't sign Rafinha, he didn't sign Denis Suárez, and he couldn't sell Rodrigo, even though he tried to sell him, but Atletico couldn't find the money to sign the player. Therefore, the relationship between them was totally broken, between the owner, Peter Lim, Marcelino, the coach, and also the sporting director, Matteo Alemán, who still remains there, and he was a big advocate of, uh, of Marcelino, but unfortunately, he cannot leave the club, because if he leaves, he will have to pay three million, if he leaves Valencia, Matteo Alemán. So now they've got a new manager, Albert Celades, who is not very clear if he's got the support of, uh, of the locker room, because the likes of Parejo and the likes of Garay, important figures in the team, have uh, some endorsement and support for Marcelino on mm. his departure in social media. Wow, so a real mess then. It is a mess, yeah. However, the good thing for Valencia is that if they look at the big picture, they've got a very similar squad to what they had last year. They haven't lost any key player. And uh, they ended up the season winning the Spanish Cup, which, according to Marcelino, was the catalyst for him to be sacked. Right. Because uh, Valencia owner Peter Lim never congratulated Marcelino for winning the Spanish Cup. He congratulated Marcelino two months later for having qualified for Champions League. Okay. Which tells you there that... Uh, Obviously, Peter Lim is more money-driven than title-driven, considering that Valencia, winning the Spanish Cup in May 2019, were winning their first title in 11 years. Incredible. So Lim was more upset that he'd committed resources to a cup run that he wasn't interested in, rather than yes. Champions League qualification. Yes. In fact, um, there are reports that Marcelino was advised not to try to go very strong on the cup. I mean, just to leave it uh -huh. and uh, focus on the Champions League qualifying campaign. So he managed to qualify Valencia for Champions League and he managed to to win the Spanish Cup, but the relationship between them both was already broken uh, from probably the moment Valencia won the Spanish Cup and Marcelino was never congratulated for that. Okay, their prospects at Stamford Bridge? I think that uh, Chelsea must be the favorite for this game, but it's funny because they are two totally different teams. I mean, uh, if you see Chelsea, they are capable of scoring many, many, many goals and they've got this youth up front and Valencia is uh, rather an Italian team in the most stereotypical sort of way. So they defend really well. And uh, I can imagine Valencia defending themselves and counter-attacking and Chelsea going for it. A bit like the trip to Old Trafford last year. Yes, that mm. was a nil-nil. Yeah. And I, I would I would say that, that the game is going to be, in the tactical parameters, will be very similar to what happened in Old Trafford last season. The other two teams in that group are Ajax and Lille. Lille, who finished second in uh, Ligue 1 last year, and beat Angers the weekend 2-1, Jules, as you know, with the, what their prospects away in Amsterdam. Ajax looking very good despite the sale of so many big players. Yes, looking very good. They're, they're cruising in the league. They're, they're top with, with PSV, although they have a few... Uh, Doubt, doubtful players I think Van der Beek and Masrawi might not uh, be fit enough to play but for Lille it's like it's no pressure you know it was an incredible season last year they lost uh, most of their best players including Thiago Mendes who went to Lyon and Nicolas Pepe obviously who went to Arsenal which was always planned and it's the business plan as we mentioned a lot on the show sell those players and then buy some younger ones and give them a platform to shine etc and They've done that. Some of the players that they bought in the summer, especially the striker Osimhen, the um, the Nigerian international, looked already very strong and looked like the, the next one to, to go at some point soon. But this will be a great experience for what is a quite young team with a bit of experience there and there. But they have nothing to lose. So I think they will go for it. And they see it as a quite an open group, especially with Valencia in trouble. Chelsea, you're not really sure. And Ajax being the big favourite of that group. But they, they will go for it, for sure. Next up, the European champions.
At Paddy Power, we wanted to do something to make Mondays a bit less... Monday. So now Mondays are Money Back Mondays, when we get you, the punters, to nominate your lost football bet on Twitter, using the hashtag MoneyBackMondays, to vote in our Monday Twitter poll, and then we refund on the most popular market as a free bet. Money Back Mondays, because sometimes even Pep has an off day. Paddy Power, home of the Money Back Special. T's and C's apply. No max stake. Refund will be as a free bet. Does not apply to shop bets. 18 plus. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. European champions in action Tuesday in Naples. James, Liverpool the European champions, but of course they so nearly... So nearly came a cropper at home to Napoli. No, had that that Allison was it on Milik that save right at the death. Yeah, mm. yeah. could have been like Napoli game. going through. Anfield. No? Yeah, goal difference. Yeah, um, and remember the game at the San Paolo last year. Napoli won that game one 0 and they played really well. It didn't seem that Liverpool had many answers for the the system that Ancelotti came up with, which was kind of a a bit of a hybrid with Maximovic is usually a centre back playing as a a right back, and then. They'd put the left back bombing on and then go to a back three. And they never really got to grips with it. And you have to say, Napoli were unlucky not to get out of the group last year because they outplayed PSG at the Parc des Princes. And PSG, Come was on. it Di Maria at the end, got them a quite lucky equaliser. Oh, a moment of individual I, I mean... brilliance. Now, come on, Jules. Um, but Napoli, impressive at the weekend. Uh, in 2-0 win against Sampdoria. A clean sheet at last. <laughs> a clean sheet, although... Th- they had their goalkeeper to thank, Alex mm. Merritt, who made two really good saves, um, one particular from Rigoni. And even in the 4-3 loss to Juventus, he was really impressive in that game. Um, so Manolas didn't play in this game, uh, but Koulibaly uh, did. I expect the Greek to come back next to him. Um, they've got a really quick uh, defence, which they're going to need, I would say, mm. against, uh, against Liverpool. They've got a really good midfield, Napoli, with uh, Fabian uh, and Elmas, the, the kid that they've signed from Fenerbahce and Zielinski. I think the issue at the moment is balance because as we saw against Juventus and Fiorentina in particular, they're very good at going forward. Um, but when they lose the ball and teams transition on them, they tend to have some problems. How are the dressing room looking? <laughs> the dressing rooms have been touched up. Good. They do look like proper dressing rooms uh, after after last week. In fact, where the San Paolo in general, I mean, you still have massive issues there with the running tra- track, but it does look better. Yeah, because there was the the student games was held there over the summer, so they they renovated it. So you've got all these nice new blue, white, yellow seats. Mm. The, the running, running track is blue. blue. Yeah. Um, and nice. yeah, finally some decent dressing rooms where you know if you need to blow dry your hair, you can blow dry your hair fantastic I, the other two teams in the group are Salzburg and Genk so you fancy perhaps both Napoli and Liverpool to go through but what do you Salzburg think about this game no Rafa well you fancy them of course but Salzburg have a have a chance you know it's their first time in, in the Champions League after many many times of asking but they're a really decent side with Jesse Marsh and a, a lot of really interesting young players coming through Erling Haaland, the Norwegian striker. Yeah, who scored, who's at it again this weekend. Yeah, huh? yeah, he's 19. He looks he's incredible. Got 11 goals in seven games. He's he's it is the Austrian league. Mm. and know, We've seen a lot of players in that league moving to Germany, either to RB Leipzig or somewhere else, and smashing it there too. So He scored nine in one game at the Under-20 World Cup in the summer. Madness. It was against Honduras, but still nine goals in a game. What's going to happen? Are Napoli going to get a win again against Liverpool, who didn't get a single win in the group stage on the road last season I think this game maybe comes a little bit too early for them right Jules 
No, I, f- I fancy Napoli to win. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Raf. I don't think Liverpool will get beaten. They haven't lost many games in 2019. I think it's only two. So I think we'll have another 4-3, given Napoli have played two 4-3s out of three games so far. Right. I think that Napoli's way it's, uh, can be very dangerous for Liverpool. And in fact, in pre-season, and I know that it was pre-season, Napoli beat Liverpool 3-0. Mm. And few players were missing in Liverpool, but yeah. still what Napoli does and uh, their transitions uh, can be very harmful for Liverpool, yes. Okay, I think Napoli's defence, which has been looking a bit rocky so far, is going to going to have a rough surprise because everyone Mm. was looking at the summer and saying they've really strengthened at the back they've not only got the best defender in the league but they've got Manolas now Mm. and I I tell you who to look out for as well is Di Lorenzo the the right back lovely assist for the first Mertens goal who is the new Torricelli right nice isn't isn't Liverpool's defence more rocky at the moment you're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power I'm still not getting that, Rafa. Why Rocky? Adrian. Ah, okay, right, brilliant. Okay, all right, let's move on to Wednesday's games. Now, Paris Saint-Germain are hosting Real Madrid on Wednesday. Saturday, Neymar came back and this was the reaction. And then this was the reaction in the 92nd minute when, with the score nil-nil, against Strasbourg the Brazilian pulled out a quite ridiculous overhead kick Centre de Diallo pour Neymar Jules what a return incredible just an incredible a new chapter in what is already an incredible story the club tried everything they could to keep the fans calm, especially the ultras. And what did they do? They booed him. Literally every single touch, they booed his name, they insulted him and his father, they had banners, they had the whole whole lot. And Neymar what was... was Cardi like? Was he Cardi like, I'm used to this. It's fine. You'll get <laughs> it. One that was, in the, was in the box as well. One that was there in the box. And she probably said, yeah, yeah, we all know that. You know, we, we're used to it. But Neymar was pretty anonymous for most of the game, to be fair, until that 92nd minute where the balls come from the left-hand side and he tries that overhead kick on his left foot and the ball goes in I mean only him it's a genius of a goal and the same fans who've been booing him like literally a minute before the stadium erupted completely and and there's a long way to go and it's the first game and he hadn't played for a very long time and you know the summer is still very much there but if he keeps doing things like that at some point they will they will welcome him back he can't play though this midweek because he's still serving that Instagram ban Instagram ban yeah (laughs) yeah Oh, yeah. Because he criticised the match officials. After the United game, yeah, right, the second leg for the on, penalty on, they gave on, on Kimpembe. So three match bans, so in right. the first three games, he's out of the picture. So you've got Mbappe out, uh, Cavani's injured. Icardi, is he fit to start? He only he only had a brief appearance, no, against Strasbourg. Yeah, and Cavani's fit again. So Cavani, oh, he is? Yes, he'd be either Chupomuting, and let's not laugh here, uh, or Mauro Icardi as a first start, which would be quite spectacular for him to start against uh, Real Madrid, mm. or bring back Cavani if he's definitely 100% fit and there's no risk for him to play again. But Icardi has obviously brought new options for, for Tuchel, and talking about Icardi, do you remember last week we said how the whole of 
Paris and France. We watched Tiki Taka on Italian television to see what Wanda had to say. Yeah. And last night on Sunday night, she revealed that uh, the game was on Saturday for Icardi to make his debut. And then on Sunday, he had a few friends over and they spent the whole afternoon on uh, scooters, electric scooters in Paris, which is quite popular in Paris, going all around the city. I'm not sure if he was wearing a helmet. I, I doubt very much. I'm not sure if, if Tuchel and the PSG uh, hierarchy were very chuffed to know that Mauricardi spent a few hours on a trottinette, as we call them in French, on a electric scooter to go around Paris. But I think Wanda is going to reveal a few things which is going to make she it even also more said interesting. Napoli didn't spend the money that they they basically put aside for for Icardi. So it's still there. It's still there. Yes, you know, in January already. there might be a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was that? <laughs> Jules, are you worried about this clash with Real Madrid? Not really. I don't think Real Madrid look in great shape either. Sergio Ramos is suspended. Militao will play as centre-back because Nacho is also suspended. Marcelo is not playing either. Marcelo Breaking is not playing news. either. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think... I, I just think both had in their own ways quite a tough start of the season. So right. it's not like if you were facing a Real Madrid team firing and I think PSG have a chance. Okay, Real Madrid played some of their best football of the season this weekend against Levante but still only ended up with a narrow 3-2 win. Yeah, that's true because uh, they did very well in the first half and they managed to control the game. Uh, their possession and their pressure to get the ball back was quite astonishing. I mean, as good as it was in Rome last season against uh, S.A.S. Against in Roma under Julian Lopetegui, which was probably the best game of Real Madrid last season. That was really good. But uh, they didn't know how to control the game after they got the 3-0 uh, advantage. And then uh, Levante, which is a good team, and lately they have managed to get some good results at Santiago Bernabeu, almost came back. Karim Benzema scored the brace, which was uh, very good because uh, he's proving again that uh, the older he gets, the better he gets as well. He's, uh, it's all for him now this season. No, yeah, he, yeah. The last season he was the best player for Real Madrid and this season he's still the best. And I want to see how Eden Hazard uh, adapts because the other day he finally got 20 minutes and uh, he looked sharp. He was about to score a, a very be- beautiful individual solo goal that the goalkeeper stopped finally. And uh, I think that he could start against PSG, Eden Hazard, and uh, then there is uh, another player who was never a signing, but he is in practical terms a signing, who is uh, James Rodriguez, after two years at Bayern, and the other day he played as a midfielder in Real Madrid, and I uh, was very surprised with the, his ability and his capacity to, to fight, because uh, we, I didn't know that version of James Rodriguez. Mm. I knew that he was, and we all know that he's very technical, but I think that he understood that if he wants to play for Zidane again, he has to fight more. And uh, there were some uh, Injuries at Real Madrid, especially in midfield. Hammer Rodriguez got the chance, and I think that he he got a very good mark in the game uh, against Levante. And uh, then I found it uh, quite funny, even petulant, I would say, from Zinedine Zidane, that in the press conference after the game, he was complaining about not having enough midfielders. Mm. Well, Zinedine Zidane never stopped Ceballos moving to Arsenal. He always went from Pogba, and uh, that was his first uh, option, and only option. But Real Madrid had uh, some other midfielders that could have signed, the likes of Christian Eriksen, and they haven't done it yet, because Zidane just wanted Pogba. So he cannot complain about not having midfielders, because he let Ceballos go, and he let Marcos Llorente go to Atletico de Madrid. Happening simultaneously with that game is the almost equally intriguing... Club Bruges Galatasaray, is it? Galatasaray Club Bruges? You mock James. But I'm not mocking him. I mean, saying this, that, this Galatasaray team. Yep. I mean, Falcao, yep. Ryan Babel, yep. Jean-Michel Seri, Stephen Nzonzi, Yuto Nagatomo, it's a good it's a, Emre Moore, 
I'm in. This is like one of, you know, at the end of the transfer market, when they say these players, you know, all available on a free could still be picked up. Yeah. But they've actually done it, and that's their, their team in the Champions League. That's fantastic. Love it. Looking forward and to fact, seeing that one. The thing is that those players are not finished. Emre Mori is 21, 22 years old, yeah. and the rest of There's the guys you come. mentioned, yeah. they are young, or at least they are not. Not they are not really old. This is not the end of their career. Ryan Babel is old, but still does it. We and saw what he course. did for uh, the Dutch against the Germans. And, and Falcao as well, who scored, by the way, in his debut of the weekend. Did he? Falcao, yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, so yeah, Galatasaray Club Bruges for your considerations. Let's move on anyway. Wednesday, see Spurs at Olympiakos. Spurs fresh from a 4-0 win against Palace. Last season's Champions League runners-up, of course. But taking on an Olympiacos side that's had a dream start to their season. Nine games between league and Champions League preliminaries. Eight victories, one draw, no defeats. 20 goals scored and only one conceded. Now, given Olympiacos' history with English sides, they've beaten them in five of their six visits. We dialed up the Olympiacos manager, Pedro Martins, to ask if there's more of that in store for Spurs. Pedro, what would you say is the reason for Olympiacos' incredible start to the season? First of all, uh, last year we built a, a new team. And uh, now, is the after one year, is the same team. So we keep going and continue with the same roster, uh, 80% of the, the, the squad. Uh, and of course, we, we buy players with quality, like Smirlo, like uh, Balbuena. It comes a uh, big quality for, for our roster. Uh, but most important, that's what we built last year. Now we are in the Champions League. And uh, it's very important for the, for the club. It's very important for the players. Uh, and also for the f- Greek football, because we need it. How about for you, Pedro? I know you had uh, Europa League with Guimaraes uh, previously. But how excited are you to have your first Champions League group stage game on Wednesday? It's exciting, of course. It's a challenger for us also. It's my first time and also for many players it's the first time. So this is a big challenger. And uh, we know we have uh, difficult games against Tottenham, against Red Star and and Bayern. But uh, we want to to play these games. This is a big level and we have players, they they must show to everybody uh, this level. Have you seen Spurs play much this year? And uh, what is the thing that concerns you most about them? What do you think will be key in this match? I saw against City. I saw the last game they, they, they play against Crystal Palace. Uh, against Newcastle. So I follow uh, and see um, several games. And, uh, you know, Tottenham in the last three, four years is the same uh, roster also. Big quality, uh, top striker like, like Kane and... Uh, Big mobility in the in the front, in the attack. Strong midfielders. They're fighting for the championship in the best uh, football in the world. And uh, last year was the, the, the finalist in the, in the Champions League. So we see a difficult game. Uh, strong points of the opponent. But uh, like I'm told all the time, uh, we have also our chances. Uh, and we play at home... Uh, in Karaskak is not easy for the opponents play in our stadium. So I think most most important, I think it will be a, a great game. Excellent. What can you tell us, Pedro, about the atmosphere there in Piraeus ahead a, of the amazing. Match? It's amazing. We have just uh, thirty-four thousand, 
but you know the same noise the same crowd like we have you have the 15 uh, people in the stadium so it's unbelievable the the way the the Olympiacos fans uh, support uh, our team and uh, since the beginning the atmosphere is uh, amazing we sold all the tickets for the all the season very soon in July and these moments they, they are incredible for for our fans for Piraus uh, you know uh, is uh, unbelievable how they they feel uh, and how they love so so with so passion this this club Pedro, that, that's fantastic. One last question. It's amazing the record that Olympiacos has at home to English clubs. I think five wins out of six visits from Premier League sides. Would you be happy with a draw on Wednesday or would you regard that as two points dropped? <laughs> First of all, Tottenham is a big club. Top players with a fantastic coach. But in uh, our mind, always when we start and, and feel, is always uh, the optimist. So, in my mind, we are fighting for uh, for uh, win the game. Uh, after we see if the draw is good or uh, or not. But uh, in our mind, uh, of course, with so many difficulties because the opponent is so strong. But in my mind, all all the time, uh, we try to 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 win the game. Of course. Well, it should be an amazing atmosphere at the Kadaskakis Stadium. Meantime, in that group, Rafa, Bayern Munich and Red Star Belgrade, they're going to be taking each other on. Should be a good one. It should be a good one. Um, I mean, Red Star very strong at home as Liverpool, Napoli and uh, whoever. PSG. And PSG, of course. <laughs> PSG, of PSG, course. PSG won there. Found to their detriment. Yeah. PSG won there. Yeah. Didn't they draw? No, they won, but Napoli and Liverpool lost. Even so, mm. they were very strong at home at the Maracana. Mm. The game is almost more exciting for being a replay of one of the m- most famous games of all time mm. for both clubs, uh, which was the 1991 semi-final, which, of course, Red Star Belgrade won in unbelievable fashion with one of the most strangest own goals ever scored at this level by Klaus Augenthaler in the very last minute of the second leg to then go on and lift the trophy against what, Olympique Marseille. What did he do exactly? He tried to cut out a cross and uh, faces the wrong way and completely slices it and the ball kind of loops up in this big arch and the goalkeeper, Raman Alman, thinking, oh, this is going over, not a problem. By the time he reacts, the ball has actually already went over his head and went into the goal. 91st minute, it was 2-1 and 2-1, so it would have gone into extra time. Uh-huh as it was by and got uh, knocked out. So it, until 1999, that was the most traumatic last-minute defeat in the history of Bayern Munich Football Club. So <laughs> why are you great. laughing? And they this themselves. is not funny. <laughs> this is not funny at that all. That was a great Restart Belgrade team, though. That um, was the greatest of well, all. Well, that was the Savicevic team, yeah, Prosinecki, Panchev, um, Binic, uh, Belodidic. Yeah, they had, they they had, had real quality. Generation. And it was a, a classic tussle, which, of course came with a whole bittersweet coda of uh, both Yugoslavia and mm. um, Red Star as a team breaking up uh, not long afterwards. So the Civil War actually broke out a few weeks later. So a big game in many different ways. Uh, and of course, it doesn't quite have the same connotation, but I can guarantee that the moment that draw came out, everybody associated uh, with the teams of a certain age thought immediately about that game. 
If you're listening to this episode of the Totally Football Show and thinking, God, I wish I was as suave and sophisticated as those European fancy dans, Rafa, Jules and Alvaro, and I wish I could rock the Italian look as well as Jimbo and James H, well, head on over to stitchfix.com. Stitch Fix is an online personal stylist service that takes the work out of dressing well. They collaborate with all your favourite continental brands like French Connection, Just Cavalli and Tiger of Sweden and it is super easy. All you have to do is sign up at stitchfix.com, answer a few questions about your style, your size, your shape and your budget and then book a delivery date for your box of clothes handpicked by one of their stylists. You try everything on at home so you can mix and match your stuff with the rest of your wardrobe. You only keep what you want and send back what you don't. Delivery is free both ways. All you pay is a one-off stylist fee of £10, which is used against any of the clothes you then buy. Try it for yourself on the Stitch Fix app or at stitchfix.com slash totally. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot com slash totally. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Listener, Premier Sports is the home of Serie A and La Liga in the UK with 17 live games coming up this weekend. Among them, the Milan Derby on Saturday night on Premier Sports 1 and on Sunday from La Liga, top of the table Sevilla hosting Real Madrid. Premier Sports is available for just £11.99 for Sky and Premier Player customers and also available on Virgin TV. Ooh, Alvaro, Sevilla taking on Real Madrid on Sunday night. That sounds a bit special. Papetegui's revenge. Mm. It could be, in a way, yeah. Um, but I, I really want to see what Sevilla is up to when they play a, a top team like Real Madrid. Right. Because so far they have had a kind of easy games. This weekend they beat uh, Alaves, not comprehensively at mm-hmm. all. Uh, it was an excellent uh, free kick from Joan Jordan that made the difference in that game. And there were a few interesting things for Sevilla. Chicharito made uh, his debut for them. He played uh, in the second half. Uh, Lucas Ocampos, he seems to be now that player that everyone thought he was going to be at some point. And now in Sevilla, he... I'm not sure. Let's, let's, let's... Uh, let's yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Because I don't want to be driven by the present too much. But, I see. But it, it looks like he, he's playing really well. And... Um, the good thing about Sevilla is that they, they are really good defensively. They have conceded only one goal in La Liga. Atlético de Madrid has conceded four or five, I think. Barcelona and Real Madrid, they have conceded around seven. And Sevilla has conceded only one. Right. That's why they are leading the Spanish table. OK, previous leaders of La Liga, Atlético Madrid, conceded two this weekend when they went down at the Anoeta, what used to be the Anoeta, the restyled Real Sociedad. Graham, what's it called now? Real Arena. Oh, yeah, the Real Arena. Arena, yeah. Very nice. Okay, Atletico Madrid, who will be on Wednesday night hosting Juventus. They beat Juve there, didn't they, last they, year? They did yeah. beat Juventus 2-0. And Juventus then when they more. went to Turin, Cristiano Ronaldo did for them, as he so always does. Incredible record Cristiano's got against Atleti. 22 goals in 31 matches. How uh, Ronaldo, as he left the mix zone at the Wanda. <laughs> where he made the gesture of five five yeah. European Cups and yeah. then zero to them. Right. Yeah, the Cristiano Ronaldo is never welcome at uh, Wanda Metropolitano. Uh, but uh, I would like to focus a little bit on Atletico de Madrid because this season they seem to be the big thing, but they are not quite there yet. Defensively, they are not as good as they used to be. And every time and every season, the same pattern follows. Atletico de Madrid tries to play in a nicer way at the beginning of the season, then they realize that they can't play that way, and they go back to what they were. And uh, Joe Felix is already suffering a little bit from the rigors of Simeone's uh, hard work ethics. Sometimes he seems not to be 
yet physically up to the challenge. And uh, the other day against Real Sociedad, they didn't lose because Real Sociedad was a defensive team more than anything like that. It just, it's just that Real Sociedad showed more quality in midfield and up front. Edegard was uh, running the show uh, for Real Sociedad and Monreal, the former Arsenal left-back and the Norwegian player, scored for Real Sociedad. So I would say that Atlético de Madrid is in that moment of defining themselves. What mm. do they want to be? Do they want to be the team that they were and do they want to be the way that they gave us so many good results or do they want to be a different club? Right. And the Juve, their opponents on Wednesday, also having a bit of an identity crisis under their new manager, Maurizio Sarri, only a nil-nil for them this weekend, uh, a nil-nil that uh, andava stretto, that, that was uh, un- perhaps a little bit unfair on their opponents, Fiorentina. Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, Fiorentina deserved to win that game. Uh, they were much better. Juventus allowed 18 shots in that game. It's the worst I've seen them play in a long, long time. Even second of half of last season when Juventus decided that they needed to make a change of manager because the performances weren't up to what they thought the, the team was capable of. At the moment, as they say in Italian, they're ne cane ne pesce. They're not fish, they're not meat. Um, uh, they're, they're something in between. <laughs> in English, neither fish nor flesh. What do you call it in German? Same. No, but how do you say it? Neither fish nor flesh. Oh, that's nice. I think that, that is an international saying. Is it? Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> ni carne ni pescado. But what uh, was really surprising is that even French? when they were... We don't have it in French. What? No. Ni Ni poisson. It's neither frog nor snail. That's very nice. Refer. <laughs> oh, he's back. He's back. Ah, he's back. He's back. You deserve that for taking the mick of the French. Right, Have yeah. that pain. But anyway, Juve, James. What was surprising, James, was that even when they were poor under Allegri, mm-hmm. they would create two or three really good chances, or there would be some bit where they would get one of their best players into a position to win the game and in this they didn't do that at all it was really surprising to see how well Fiorentina did at keeping Juventus really far away from their own goal Cristiano Ronaldo and Higuain didn't have a shot on goal until after an hour and I think Sarri as I mentioned earlier complained about the heat he complained that he had to use all of his substitutions for injuries because Douglas Costa went off after seven minutes and he's been so important to them. Pjanic went off for Wednesday and Pjanic as well. Yeah, yeah. Pjanic uh, went off before halftime. Then Danilo started cramping up. But um, Fiorentina caused them all problems. And, and, and it was quite surprising given how poor Fiorentina were against Genoa. And also, while they were very good for an hour against Napoli, they conceded four goals. So you expected Juventus to find holes in the back against this Fiorentina side and they didn't find anything. James... Franck Ribéry had a... Oh, how good was it? Hold on a second. Franck Ribéry had a good game, by all accounts. I'm a bit worried, though. He is 35. Is that not too young for Serie A? (laughs) (laughs) And then the heat as well. It would have been great if Buffon was playing instead of Chesney, where you'd have the 42-year-old. But um, you had uh, Rocco Camiso, the new Fiorentina owner, came out afterwards and said, you know, Franck Ribéry is about to turn 36 and and Ronaldo's younger and he was better than Ronaldo. He was brilliant. First start, um, set up a couple of chances which Fiorentina should have scored from, um, particularly Dalbert. And the one thing that the Italians picked up on uh, after, so Italian this was, when he sprinted back. When he sprinted yeah. back and uh, and tracked back and stopped Ronaldo on the counter-attack after an hour. Um, that really stood out for them. We started um, calling him uh, FR7. Very nice. Quick mention for Bayer Leverkusen Lokomotiv. Rafa, anything we should know about that game? The game itself, maybe not so much, but uh, Peter Bosch, I think, would be interesting to take his uh, very gung-ho approach Mm. to the Champions League. Um, When it works, it's beautiful, but it does leave gaps, as we saw on on Saturday. 
And uh, it'd be great to see if, you know, the likes of Kai Harvitz, for example, can replicate some of the form that they've shown in the league last year at the uh, biggest stage. Okay, Shakhtar are hosting Manchester City again. We think of this as a tricky trip for Man City, but they did win 3-0 there in their last campaign. Although Shakhtar are in great form right now. They've had uh, seven straight wins. Scoring lots of goals yeah. as Domestic, well. Yeah. A lot of excitement around this 19-year-old Brazilian forward that they've got called Tete. Yeah, who plays on the right hand side. It's the same. I mean, Tyson is there. It's Junior Moraes. Yeah, do you know what? So it's the same core of players, but they keep finding those young, very talented Brazilian, bringing them over and... I mean, Stepanenko is there in midfield, so you've got a lot of experience as well, plus the Brazilian touch, and they've done really well in group stages before. It's just City last season were far too strong. Also, a new manager, because Paulo Fonseca's gone to to Roma. Luis Castro. Yeah. Yeah. So City arriving, fresh from this shock defeat away at Norwich, and with real question marks at the back, with with Laporte out, and no real, not really a satisfactory replacement. Do you see another... Uh, defeat coming for City here. It'd be interesting, and Benjamin Mendy is back in the squad. So I mean, what could go wrong? I mean, if you know, if Benjamin Mendy plays as well with Stones and Otamendi and Carl Walker, we're awful at the weekend. It's a, it's a really testing time, I think, for City and Guardiola. See how can how they can bounce back, how they can recover from a really bad defeat that would hurt far more than you know the first one they had last season away at Chelsea in December, for example. I would like to disagree here. I think that Manchester City is going to run with the 15 or 18 points in this group. Okay. Uh, and wow. I think and I think that the real the, the real pressure for them, the real pressure for them is Premier League because Liverpool they are getting three points, three points, three points, uh, not to the infinite, but uh, probably they will end up the season with 90 plus. So the real pressure for Manchester City is there. I think that Champions League at some point from mid-November is going to become like some sort of uh, easy games for them. Back at Atlanta to Norwich them. And yeah. we said that last season as well hmm. about City and they struggled. You know, they, they were beaten by Lyon and drew only away at Lyon. Hmm. They, they struggled in, that, in a group against Hoffenheim as well. Even if they... They went through and ended up winning some matches. I don't know if this group is as good. That's the thing. I know, Atalanta. Well, let, let's, let's talk about Atalanta, the kind of team that you might want to like before they're cool. Uh, <laughs> because they might well be what the nice surprise. Of, do you think, James, or is that bigging them up too much of this, of this European season? They've got the best draw of all the Italian teams. And they were in pot four. And I think this was a, a real surprise for them. Um, because speaking to the players, they wanted... The kind of draw that Inter got with Barcelona and Dortmund because they're like, this might never happen again, so we'd love to go and play in these these great grounds around Europe. Instead, they've got a genuine chance of making the round of 16, I would say. And they've played some wonderful football so far this season um, because in contrast to other years where they've always lost two or three players, they've kept their best players this time around. And in fact, they've added, uh, and I'm not talking about Skirtle, who left, but I'm talking about Luis Muriel. Mm. Uh, Muriel, who has become a super sub for them, um, scored twice to you know, make them win in their first game when they came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 against Spal, and then at the weekend as well, proved big when they, they won away at uh, Genoa. And Duvan Zapata as well. I mean... Is he looking like having the same season as last season? Yeah. 
I mean, the, the the goal he scored to win the game on Sunday wow. uh, in Genoa, 95th minute. There isn't a centre-back in the world that, that would look at Zapata and think, oh, I've got an easy afternoon or easy yeah, evening yeah. here. Um, and they're never beaten. This is a team that always comes back. You know, if City were, for example, to get 2-0 up, 3-0 up, half-time, they would keep coming for them uh, and always believe that the team that recovered the most points from losing positions since the last season, they've got a style of play that I think a lot of teams will find very difficult to play against. And Papu Gomez as well. Papu and uh, Josip Ilicic. Mm, Marvellous. All right, well, that, all of them, they're going to be away at Dinamo Zagreb this Wednesday. And given I've built them up so much, they'll probably lose. Well, we, we, we can see. You can, you but can they've got the amazing... Danny Olmo. Danny the Spanish Olmo. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Sometimes former Barcelona yeah. Academy guy. Yeah. Just amazing. He's very good. And uh, this summer he tried to, to leave the, the Croatian league. Actually, he went to Croatia very young, at the age of uh, 16, 17 which is very unusual for a Spanish player to go to Croatia that young. Right. But he is playing really good for Dinamo Zagreb, and he was one of the key players in Spanish under-21 success this summer. Okay, but that name again? Other? Danny Olmo. Okay. Really good player, James. 21 Euros. Yeah. Yeah, lots I, of offers. The, the, the surprising <laughs> thing about him is that um, he went to Dinamo Zagreb when Halilovic right, went the other way to Barcelona. More or less, yeah. More or less. And it's not often that, you know, say there's a kid in Barcelona's academy and they're like, oh, do you, we need a make weight to make this sweeten this deal. <laughs> okay, where am I going? Zagreb. And the, the, you wouldn't usually see someone take that. And he has. And it, it is very strange as well to see a Spanish guy speaking Croatian. Absolutely. Well, Croatia <laughs> wanted him to be part of their national team. Yeah, right? they wanted yeah. him to naturalize him. <laughs> yeah. well, if you're curious to see how Olmo gets on, but can't bear the thought of not following the other games. The great news is that by following the goal show on Wednesday, as on Tuesday... You won't miss out on any of the key moments from this opening match day of the new Champions League season. All right. Uh, very shortly, we'll have a quick word on what might be happening on Thursday in the Europa League and other things like that and answering some of your questions. First of all, though, over to producer Ben. Thanks very much, Jimbo. Lee Price from Paddy Power on the line to talk European football. Lee, let's start with Italy. Inter have won three out of three. The top of Serie are. Are you starting to believe that this could be the Nerazzurri's year? Well, I know Antonio Conte has the Midas touch in terms of winning the title, but we're not convinced yet on Inter Milan. They remain third favourite in our betting at around 6-1. to one. Juve are favourites, of course, odds on around 4-9, to nine, with Napoli sandwiched between the two. But Inter Milan's odds have shortened since the start of the season, and they keep this up. They'll soon be second in the betting. It'll take something quite monstrous, though, for them to overhaul Juventus in the betting, let alone the actual table. Onto the Champions League then, and the group stages kick off this week. Arguably the biggest game is PSG against Real. How do you see this one going? Yeah, El Spendico. Not a bad first week fixture for the Champions League group stage. Welcome back to European football. And we make PSG the favourites here. They're 11-10 to 10 to get the win. They are the home team after all the Parisians. Real Madrid, meanwhile, mixed start to the season for them. They're 11-5 to 5 to win this, with the draw almost an identical price at 5-2. to 2. And sticking with the Champions League, Lee, finally, give us a tip for the top scorer, but here's the proviso, it can't be Ronaldo and it can't be Messi. <laughs> well, you say that, but I don't know if I put my money on them to win it. Uh, I'm just kidding, they're obviously the favourites. Sergio Aguero leads the betting aside from those two at 7-1. to one. Or you can get Mo Salah at 10s, Raheem Sterling and Beppe at 12-1, to one. Lewandowski's 14-1, to one, or Sadio Mane 16-1. to one. I should mention Harry Kane, otherwise Spurs fans do my timeline all week. It's 18-1, he wins the top scorer award. 
You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Speaking of the fun stopping, Europa League is back on Thursday night. Mickey Diane. Mickey Diane. <laughs> <laughs> the Europa League is back Let's on Thursday night. Yes. When did an average player, because yeah. he's been average he's the last He's not an average three, player. Okay. The last okay. three years. He was Bundesliga player of the uh, year now a few which, years ago. W- a, few, a few years. In another life he oh, was. Come, come on, on, man. The last right. three years he's been average. Well, I tell you what. He's Love not him. average at Roma, and nor is the song that this fan has made about him. Grande. Grande. Did that come after Mkhitaryan scored on his uh, on his first start this weekend? No, it, it, it came during the international break. Right. And Mkhitaryan, he whipped. Roma fans into a frenzy uh, because <laughs> this is just he played like really well against Italy and then he played really well against Dzeko's Bosnia where he scored, scored, yeah. scored twice Two, and yeah. so I know they're like this guy is a phenomenon grande grande scores on his debut give I them mean. a bit of time <laughs> right and it, it was a, I mean, a fantastic result that for Roma uh, 21 minutes four goals Dzeko on the score sheet as was he uh, the opening goal was by Cristante. Cristante. And then, extraordinarily, uh, Justin Cliver also got yeah. on the score sheet. So what happened to Magnuson? him? Well, he's there at Roma and hasn't so far really. Well, yeah, think why? about last season. It was a very True. difficult season for a new player to come into that club. Anyway, Roma on Thursday night in Europa League action as they take on Basak Shahir. Uh, Lazio, their neighbours, will be away at Cluj. Celtic are going to be at Rennes. Rangers host Feyenoord, PSV are up against Sporting Lisbon, Arsenal are Eintracht Frankfurt, Wolves take on Braga and Man United have Astana. This is just one of the two of the reams of Europa League factions. There. there are some good really games, good actually. Games. Let's just say, I mean, Rafa, Eintracht Frankfurt, who celebrated reaching the semi-finals last year by selling off anyone who's ever scored a goal for them. How are they looking for this visit of the Gunners? They didn't have a good uh, weekend. They lost 2-1 at Augsburg, one of the poorest sides in the league. Um, they didn't play all that badly in the second half, but they sort of missed the boat, as it were, in the first. They conceded uh, uh, quite early. Then uh, there's a wonder goal from Niederlechner to make it two. Pacienza, who's uh, now emerging as the new uh, main striker for them alongside uh, Bas Dost, got one back, but ultimately they were just weren't quite good enough. Um, Does he rush his chances? <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, God. James, he doesn't. Um, they're still a formidable side, especially with Kostic playing really well. They knocked out uh, Strasbourg in a game that showed you, I think, the the power of the crowd. It was the, the stadium that won the game for them. And I think there are very few stadiums in Europa League which will be as important for the team's chances as, as this one is. So especially if there are if the suggestions are true that Emery might mix it up again and play the youngsters... I think they might be for in for a, a tricky evening. And we wow. saw against Strasbourg as well the power of the fans on the referee because I mean there was two there was a red card in each team but the crowd put so much pressure on that the referee at some point I think like 
got some sort of influence though or something. Arsenal used to playing at a cauldron though, surely. <laughs> uh, Celtic away at Wren, what kind of uh, evening awaits them there? Again, the atmosphere would be, the, there would be half of, it's only a 30,000 uh, city stadium in Rennes, not like the 60,000 in Frankfurt, but the crowd are very, very good in Rennes as well. And they had that wonderful run in the Europa League last year where they lost to Arsenal in the, uh, in the last 16 after beating them at home. So it would be, they have good momentum going into the game. They have a good squad. They lost some key players like Atem Benafa, for example. But it's a very interesting team with a very young, uh, bright manager as well in Julien Stefan. So this should be a really good game for Celtic. Rand currently second in Ligue 1. Rangers hosting final where Yap Stam is the manager. So it's uh, Steven Gerrard against Yap Stam. Did you see what Zlatan Ibrahimovic did this, this weekend? Yes. Did yeah. you see what he said as well? Did you no, hear what he said? Okay, so first of all, this is what he did. LA Galaxy taking on Sporting Kansas City. Zlat gets a hat trick, a Zlat trick essentially, in a 7-2 Galaxy win. And he's now got the record for most goals in a single season. Oh, no, it's a club record. But still, 26 goals. That's insane. So then he comes out and says, I'm the greatest player ever to have played <laughs> in MLS. <laughs> Obviously. <Right. laughs> well, is he wrong? That's a good. That's a good debate. Jovinko, come on. Jovinko. Jovinko has to be the best. <laughs> the atomic ant. Yes. Maybe. Imagine putting them two together in an all-star team. <laughs> that would be <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> Let's make it happen. <laughs> Very good. MLS always fun and heading towards the business end of their season. Let's have a look at one or two questions from you, lovely listener. Here's one about Serie A, James. Tom Russell asks: Are Bologna the anti-Inter? Lovely question. Tell us about Bologna this weekend. Well, Bologna were 2-0 down in Brescia. Then they were then 3-1 down. And then Brescia got a man sent off. But Bologna came back and they won 4-3. Um, and they are, what, second with uh, Juventus on uh, on seven points. But the great story about this was um, as soon as the bus uh, returned to Bologna, uh, they made a detour. They didn't go to the training ground so they could all get in their cars and go home. They went straight to the hospital where Sinisha Mihailovic is undergoing his second uh, round of chemotherapy. And uh, By all accounts, he directed the game by phone from his hospital bed. Yes. As, well, um, I don't know if that's the story that was put well, out. Well, no, Rodrigo there. Palacio at, at full time came out and said that he was incazzato at right. uh, halftime. Very upset. <laughs> Very upset, yeah. which you can imagine. I mean, you just send lots of uh, WhatsApp audios yeah. for your assistants to just play yeah. like that, and there you go. You've got your halftime team talk. But they were underneath um, Sinisa's um, hospital window mm. and uh, singing, and he, he was like, uh, I wasn't expecting you. Uh, and then he said, uh, yeah, let's talk on Tuesday. We haven't done anything yet. So uh, right. I think this Bologna side very much showing the spirit of Mihailovic. Uh, and it, yeah, I mean, it is extraordinary that there is a team in Serie A doing this well, um, whose manager is as ill as he is, um, isn't able to take training. It was a big surprise, remember, on match day one that he showed up and was on the sidelines. Um, and yet they've managed to pick up exactly where they left off second half of last season, where, let's not forget, it was a miracle that he, he kept them up given the situation he in, inherited from Pippo Inzaghi, a team that never scored goals, was almost in Serie B, and they finished top half of the table. They scored goals for fun, and they're a really exciting team to watch. Rafa Andrew wants to know, what is Dortmund's plan for next season when they get 100 million plus for Sancho? Continue to buy young talent who will increase in value or start competing with Bayern for elite experienced players. And will Favre still be there to lead the new site? What is the plan with Sancho? Is he there for one more year and then heading back? I think that the plan is to sell him in the summer. Um, that's always, I think, been the, the long-term vision, uh, if you will. That is not to say that the player and the club 
might find, you know, things are working out. Let's stay for another season. But I think with the Euros coming up, with his position in England growing uh, as far as starting 11 is concerned, I think there was a realisation at Dortmund that he probably will return um, if the right money is being paid. Now, what they're planning to do with the money, I don't know, because if I did, I would advise other clubs to buy the next Sancho and uh, uh, be smarter than Michael Zorc. But um, I'm sure that they already have one or two very interesting players lined up. They were after Callum Hudson-Odoi hmm. before Bayern got really interested, uh, incidentally. So the, the English market continues to be uh, one that they are they're trying to mine extensively. All right. Well, one last thing then uh, to touch on. Just to reference the uh, Derby de la Méditerranée, is that how you say that, then, Jules? It is indeed, yeah. Uh, Monaco Marseille to its friends, which was a pretty spectacular affair. What was it, 4 3? In the end, yeah, 4 3 for Marseille, where Monaco, after being 2 0 down with some Benier there, uh, scored two goals to take Monaco 2 0 up. Monaco, who were second from bottom before kickoff, so mm. really hard to uh, to win, especially against the, the bitter rivals. And, and Marseille doing. M- Really, really well under Villas Boas. I have to say, I was really impressed with their performance last night. The way they played, the movement, the way they played on possession as well was really good. And Pipa Benedetto, the uh, the Argentine striker who signed from Boca Junior in the summer, where people had a few question marks over, scored two more goals uh, with with Payet, reborn Payet as well in that game. It was really impressive, I thought, for Marseille and. Uh, and it's looking good for them uh, for this season, especially as they don't have any European Cup to play in, so they can only focus on the league, which is not the case, obviously, of teams like Lyon and Lille and PSG. Currently lying in fourth place, level on points with Nantes and Rennes, and only two points behind leaders Paris Saint-Germain. Very interesting. OK, well, it's been a busy a European edition of the Totally Football Show today. I hope you've enjoyed it, listener, and I hope you enjoy the midweek action. Uh, many thanks for now to Julian Laurent, James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein and Alvaro Romeo. They will be joining us again next week. Hopefully you will be too. Uh, listener, for now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too thetotallyfootballshow.com